Hey everyone, Ron Garen here. First, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Orbital Perspective podcast. What started out as a discussion around sheltering in place almost a year ago has turned into a discussion platform centered around making our world and our future better for everyone. Let's keep that discussion going. I also wanted to let you know that my next book, Floating in Darkness, A Journey of Evolution, launches on May 4th of this year. It's the sequel to my first book, The Orbital Perspective, and goes much deeper into solving the challenges that our world faces and how we can come together as one to create solutions. It's part autobiography, part action movie, part love story, with a message of unity that I would like to share with the world. For my loyal podcast listeners, I'm offering a 25% discount off the retail price. To get the savings, simply go to floatingindarkness.com forward slash order and enter the code PODCAST to save 25%. It's good for the next 48 hours, and it's my way of saying thanks for joining me on this incredible journey towards a better future. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Orbital Perspective Podcast, where we dolly zoom out to a perspective where upcoming megatrends become visible. Every day, it is more and more apparent that we are in the midst of the great transition. Everything is changing rapidly. The fundamentals of business, government, and society are being rewritten almost on a daily basis. We are truly living during a time where the riskiest course of action is to stay the course. The most hazardous path is to take the tried and true. We are also living during a time where it is becoming more and more apparent that the status quo is not working. At least it's not working for everyone. And until the status quo is working for everyone, we will do nothing more than slap temporary band-aids on our problems and our challenges. We are presently dealing with crisis after crisis. But these crises can serve as a wake-up call. They can be our call to action to incorporate the changes necessary to make us all more resilient and better equipped to deal with the future crises that will undoubtedly come our way. The Orbital Perspective is all about transcending the divisive walls that separate us and embracing the awe and wonder of our shared humanity. What all the guests on the Orbital Perspective podcast have in common is they are all able to see things from a slightly different perspective. And when we look at issues from different perspectives, we see things in stereoscopic vision. Multiple perspectives allow us to see the depth of a situation below the two-dimensional us-versus-them surface. The other thing all our guests have in common is that they are all proof that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. Now, this is not an interview, and it's also not just a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. If you're listening live, please post your questions and your comments so that we can bring you into the conversation. And if you're listening to the recorded conversation, still please join in with your comments and questions and be a part of this evolving community. Thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. Hi, everyone. I hope that this message finds everyone safe and healthy and, and having a great day. We are uh, really, really fortunate, really happy uh, and thrilled that you're here and part of this conversation. So 
I want to remind everybody that's uh, tuning in live, please join that conversation. Uh, send us your comments, send, send us your questions. Uh, we want you to be an active participant in this. Um, and this is going to be a really exciting talk today, um, a really exciting discussion, because we're going to zoom out. We're going to zoom out to a, a really big picture. We're going to zoom out to the scale of the universe. And what we're going to find is when we zoom out, or as I like to call it, dolly zoom out, and we'll talk about that distinction in a little bit, but when we dolly zoom out to the big picture, um, the irony of it is the farther we zoom out, the clearer our issues and our challenges and our problems become. What happens as we zoom out, as we dolly zoom out, is that all of the noise and all of the nonsense fades into insignificance. And what's left are the true issues, the true uh, challenges, and the true solutions. And uh, my guest today is someone who has made a career looking at the big picture perspective. And so with that, I want to introduce Frank White. Author and professor Frank White is a magna cum laude graduate of Harvard College, a member of Phi Beta Kappa, and a Rhodes Scholar. And he earned an advanced degree in politics from Oxford University. Frank's best-known book, The Overview Effect, Space Exploration and Human Evolution, is considered by many to be the seminal work in the field of space exploration. A film called Overview, based largely on his work, has had more than 8 million plays. Frank conducted a series of interviews with astronauts at the Johnson Space Center in June of 2019, which have now become the basis for NASA's series called Down to Earth, which is available on YouTube and other NASA social media platforms. In his latest book, the Cosmo Hypothesis, Implications of the Overview Effect, Frank asks the fundamental question, what is the purpose of human exploration? Why has the evolutionary process brought humanity to the brink of becoming a spacefaring species? In Cosmo, he also shares the idea of the human space program as a central project that will engage all of us in the process of becoming citizens of the universe. Frank teaches at the Harvard Extension School, Harvard Summer School, Boston University's Metropolitan College, and the Kepler Space Institute. Frank and his wife Donna have an extended, blended family of five children and ten grandchildren. Please help me welcome to the Orbital Perspective, Frank White. Hey, Frank. Hello, Ron. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? doing? Well, it's great to see you, and it's great for us to be working together again. Yeah, this is, this is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Thank you for um, jumping on the show, and uh, sure. and I'm sure I'm sure everybody's going to have a lot of questions and, and comments for you uh, along the way. Good. So let's uh, let's just uh, turn the clock back a little bit uh, to the time we met. So we got to know each other before we actually met in person. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first time we met was in 2012 at Harvard. We did a premiere of the movie Overview. Um, right. we, did, we did a panel panel discussion on that. So maybe you can give uh, give folks just a little bit of background on yourself, background on uh, your. I think it's your first book, the the Overview Effect, where that came from, and and what motivated you to write it. Yeah, well, I had an experience, and that's important, you know, because the Overview Effect is an experience. Uh, at the time, I was very engaged in the Space Studies Institute and the work of Gerard K. O'Neill. 
And I was thinking, what would it be like if I lived off the planet permanently and I saw the earth in the sky all the time? And I was thinking about it constantly and I was flying cross country. And as I looked out the window, I think I had a mild experience of the overview effect. But I, it just came to me, anyone living like that would have an overview of planet Earth. They would just know everything we're trying to talk about, the interconnectedness of everything on Earth, the relationships that everyone has. Uh, we're all in this together, as so many of the astronauts say. And the term overview effect came to mind. And then I didn't know what to do with it because there were no space uh, communities. So I called NASA and I said, I, I need to interview all of the astronauts right away. And you know, public affairs, they said, well, they're kind of busy. Uh, but if you come down to Houston, you can interview two active astronauts. And then I don't know who I talked to, but he changed my life. He said, why don't you interview retired astronauts? And he said, we don't control them. And I said, oh, okay. So I started interviewing retired astronauts and uh, everything kind of shifted a little bit because I saw the experience of being ordinary that you would see the earth in that way. But I found that if you were born on this planet and you went into orbit or the moon, it was kind of extraordinary. And so we started pursuing that. And, you know, eventually it led to you and I interviewed you and uh, you're in the book and you wrote the foreword to the third edition. And then our good friends at Planetary Collective decided to make a film. And uh, I recall that I got in touch with you and I don't know how you did it, but you got NASA to let you come down in almost no time and uh, to premiere the film. And that's, incidentally, that session is on YouTube and Vimeo and other online uh, online venues. And over 8 million, 8 million people have seen that film with almost no promotion or advertising. Uh, I think it's because people are hungry for overview thinking and a new way of looking at our situation here, which you summarized pretty well at the beginning, Ron. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about that story is the power of film, right? Or, you know, film, well, video, I should say, <laughs> the power mm -hmm. of video, right? And, um, you know, 8 million people didn't read the overview effect. Um, I wish they did. <laughs> but, you know, over 8 million people watched the film overview that was inspired by your book, The Overview Effect. And so what happened is the, the director, Guy Reed, um, read your book. He was moved deeply by it. Uh, and he wanted to, in his own medium, uh, you know, send that out to the world. So he, put, he got his team together, uh, Steve Kennedy and Christoph Firstland, and they, they traveled around the world and they, they filmed this uh, beautiful 19-minute um, uh, film, which led to a, a full-length feature documentary called Planetary. Uh, yeah which takes it to the next level. And uh, we're working on some things together uh, right now that will we'll take it even to the, to the next level there. But um, I just want to make another plug. I see there's a lot of people watching, 
but there's no comments yet and no questions mm -hmm. unless I'm unless I must be looking in the wrong place because I can't imagine there wouldn't be questions and comments for Frank White. Um, but the overview effect, uh, as as you stated, is this change in perspective that um, some astronauts communicate after having seen the the planet, planet Earth, uh, from space and in space. Um, that there's a you know a, a paradigm shift <laughs> that folks experience. Um, but I think one of the key things, and I think you'll you'll agree with me, Frank, because you've experienced yourself, is you don't have to be in space to have the overview effect. The overview effect, I think, is this you know, the, the gears turning and the light bulb coming on that basically um, everything is interconnected, everything is interdependent. Um, and uh, the basis of this, the foundation of this interconnected, interdependent, uh, thriving, living biosphere is awe and wonder and beauty. Uh, and so we live on this beautiful, uh, awe-inspiring planet and uh, we truly are all in this together, that we're all in the same boat. We're riding through the universe and it's not a cliche. It, it really is what happens to one of us literally uh, in some way happens and affects all, all of us. And so, um, yeah. And so um, maybe it's a good time to talk about the connection between two, two uh, popular concepts. And uh, one is the overview effect and the other is the orbital perspective, the, the title of this podcast. Um, and as you mentioned, I wrote the forward uh, for the third edition of the overview effect. And, and in there, I describe, in the, in the forward, I describe this connection between these two things. And if the overview effect is that change, uh, this paradigm shift that you can have by seeing the planet from space and in space, or some other event that happens in your life, the orbital perspective is what you do with it. The orbital perspective is the call to action that comes from the overview effect. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's applying that paradigm shift to all your decisions, all your actions, all your, you know, all the progress that you're trying to make in the world is done in this, in this bigger picture from this bigger perspective, um, the orbital perspective. Um, Frank, is that, was that accurate? Is that how you, you see it as well? Yeah. You know, um, you and I talked about this when I first interviewed you and we talked about, well, is the overview effect and uh, is the overview effect and orbital perspective, the same basic phenomenon, and at first, we, I think we kind of agreed it was. Um, and then we talked some more about it and defined it in the way that you've just discussed. And I believe the overview effect, for in, in order to experience it in its full power, uh, I did define it as something that comes from being an orbiter, the, the moon. Uh, and I did say there are analogs to it, like my experience. But you're right too that there is an action component to this which is what happens after you have an experience like that whether it's an experience in orbit or an experience on the earth from an analog to the overview effect and generally as you know ron i mean we've seen certain characteristics of what happens which is People realize there are no borders or boundaries except the ones we create ourselves. Uh, people realize that what happens in one part of the world, as you said, affects people on the other side. For astronauts in particular, you know, everybody talks about the thin layer of atmosphere that protects us from the harshness of outer space. But I do, I do think that uh, one of the things astronauts have been saying lately to me, 
is no matter how different that other person you meet is, you have more in common with them than differences. They may be from another culture, another country, but when we look at it from orbit, we realize we're all so incredibly human. And another new perception that I'm picking up is that the earth is alive. It's a living system. We are not separate from it. We are part of this living system, this organism. And that really is kind of a new uh, perception that I'm, I'm hearing from recent astronauts who have flown in the past several years. But again, uh, all of the astronauts I talk to say, I feel an obligation to share this experience. And then many feel like you did, you really have to do something with it. You have to make the world a better place. Yeah, you know, you, you brought up a, a few really good points and I, and I wanna hit on, on some of those. Um, the first one is you talked about experiences on the earth being an analog for the overview effect. Um, and there's there's a nuance there that I that I take exception with, and the nuance is an analog is something less than right. It's a simulation of it's a it's not the real thing type of thing, and I I think that it's it's completely possible and probable uh, to have the overview effect, a real overview effect, not an analog overview effect, without going to space. Um, and I know in my life because I I have gone to space, I have. Uh, had that shift in perspective uh, from going to space, but I've also had that on the ground. And I, from my experience, I think I think they're one and the same. I've I've had at least as powerful an experience on the ground, uh, many experiences on the ground, uh, that rival that experience uh, that I had in space. The, the bottom line is you have to be open to it. Um, what do you th what do you think of that distinction? Well, I would I guess I would ask what was happening when you had that experience, like. Well, in all the cases, I was being immersed in, in uh, beautiful on wonder, whether it was living on the bottom of the ocean in Aquarius for three weeks. You know, there were times during the, those three weeks where, you, you know, you just have to, it just knocks you off your feet. You just go, wow, this is, this is, um, this is incredible. And, you know, you talked about, you know, being part of a living earth, but, and I know you agree with the statement, we're not just part of a living earth, we're part of a living universe. So, so yeah. you know that that uh, that living system extends out beyond the Earth uh, to the entire universe. Um, it does, yeah. Even if we're the only, even if the only life that exists in the universe is on Earth, which I don't believe that's true. But even if that was true, it's that's enough. That little pinpoint of life is enough that that life infuses the entire universe. Mm -hmm. That it is a living universe. Yeah. I think, you know, um, when I had the uh, idea of the overview effect, one of the things I said and one of the things I wrote in the book was that having that experience, you would know what uh, spiritual teachers have been trying to teach us. You would know what, uh, you know, uh, systems thinkers have been trying to teach us uh, and that it's, it's a state of being or a state of awareness that clearly people have achieved in terms of this connection, not only with the earth, but with the universe itself. And so I think it's really just a matter of definition 
as to whether you say you could you could achieve the overview effect on Earth or not. Um, but the only way we'll ever really know how close the experiences are would be some way of measuring it, you know, some way of actually empirically verifying what's going on. And we really haven't done that yet. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, you're the expert on this. If you say, <laughs> I've been there and I had that experience and I've been here and I've had the experience, then I take your word for it. Well, here's a, here's a related question from, from Alan. Um, and thanks for, uh, we got lots of questions and comments coming in, so thanks. Um, do you think the overview effect will be a factor on suborbital flights? What do you, what do you think about that, Frank? You know, it's a really good question I've been asked more than once. I really would love to have your thoughts on it, Ron. When yeah. I read the book, I included comments by two people who had gone on orbital flights. Well, really one, Alan Shepard. Alan Shepard had a suborbital flight, and I quoted from the book We Seven, which was the Mercury astronauts. And he said the kind of thing that other astronauts have said, which is, I had tried to prepare for this, but nothing could be prepare me for what I saw. And he commented on the beauty of the Earth and, and uh, the, you know, what he saw. And it had a lot of the emotional content of orbital flights. So it seems to me that it's quite possible. And I also know for a fact that the people at Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin really hope people will have some of that experience because in a way that's what they're offering. Uh, unlike NASA, NASA didn't send you guys into orbit to experience the overview effect or come back with the orbital perspective. You went to do other things and it happened. But uh, the commercial spaceflight people really do want people to, to have a, a significant experience. So I hope it'll work. Yeah. What do you think? I think I think the answer is yes and no. <laughs> I, it, well, which means that it depends because there, like I said, you can have the overview effect. I believe a full blown overview effect, the real thing, the real McCoy, without with your feet never leaving the ground. Right? I, I think that's possible. So, so, um, but the other side of that is there are astronauts that have been to space for you know weeks or months at a time and and say they didn't have any change in perspective um, after going to space. But what's interesting about those folks, you know, we, we talked about these follow-on films uh, that I'm working on with, with, with Guy Reed and, and the crew. Um, and to that end, we've interviewed uh, about 40 astronauts at this point. Um, and it's, it's interesting when you ask the question, you know, has anything changed in you from going to space? And the answer is no, no, I'm exactly the same person uh, that I was, you know, before I launched, and then they spend the next 45 minutes explaining all the changes that have occurred. <laughs> so, so there, there's, there's a level. What I'm, what I'm getting at is there's a pro, there's a, a level of processing that has to occur, right? And so, if you launch, if you launch to space on a suborbital flight, with the idea that this is it, this is the only way that I'm ever going to get this big picture view, that I'm going to float around for five minutes looking at the, at the thin atmosphere and the curvature of the earth. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm instantly going to be, um, have, you know, <laughs> have this new insight into the, into the world and the universe. You might be disappointed. Um, if, 
If, however, you are more inclined to see that to see that awe and wonder in everything that happens in everyday life, uh, you know, the beauty of a flower, you know, feeling the breeze on your face, if you're inclined like that to begin with, then you probably will have a shift in perspective. But you're this, that same person doesn't need to go to space probably to have that that shift in perspective. And so I think there are going to be people that are going to be profoundly changed by even a suborbital flight because they, they're already on that path. They're already on that path of, of searching for a deeper meaning, deeper connection uh, in life and in the universe. And there's people that um, are not, are gonna be very disappointed uh, because they're, they're, they're thinking that it's a magical pill <laughs> that, that automatically opens up your awareness to, to all there is. Um, and so those people will be disappointed. The other thing, and, and this is really important, is, you know, my last flight was in 2011. I am still scratching the surface on trying to um, process my, my experiences. And so, you know, having a short, you know, experience of minutes, um, you're probably not going to process it while it's happening for sure. Uh, and there will be a period of time, you know, maybe months, maybe years, maybe decades after that, where you're still trying to process um, everything that happened. I think, yeah, I I agree with that. I think you know when I when I interviewed Edgar Mitchell, who's in the overview film, and has been a big supporter of this work. Um, he said, "What have you learned?" And I had interviewed several astronauts by that time, and I said, "Well, I thought everybody would have the same experience, but it seems like it's very different." And he said, "Well, I would, I would counter that by saying everybody had the same experience." but the experience is interpreted through their own uh, belief system and history. And so, you know, you take a human brain into orbit, they're going to see the world in a way they've never seen it before. It's unique. It's very, very different. And I would contend something does happen, but each person is different. And then how they process it, as you pointed out, how it, how it marinates, if you will, uh, within them changes over time. And, you know, uh, there, there have also been some expectations of what the overview effect is that I never intended it to be. As I said, I thought it would be an ordinary thing that people would just know certain things that we try to understand from the surface that we don't understand. And uh, I never said everybody would have their mind blown. You know, I never said you would be a completely different person when you came back. Uh, and so we have to be very, very careful with these expectations. And I think the most important thing you said, be open if you're going to go on a suborbital flight and, and try not to have too many expectations as to what's going to occur. Try to be open to it and you might be surprised. Yeah, I, it all, it all go, it comes down to your mindset um, when you're going to it. If this is just another thing that you're trying to, <laughs> to get to, to whatever goal it is uh, of understanding and awareness that you're trying to get to, uh, again, it might be disappointing. It, it's, it's simple. You, I mean, I think the mindset is 
that you're going you're going to launch in, on the suborbital flight for a, a really really unique experience. You're going to see beauty. You're gonna you're gonna be uh, you're gonna see awe, <laughs> and um, and take it for for what it is. Um, but like I said, it's not a it's not a magical uh, thing that that is going to have the same effect on everyone, you know, and, and again, processing, processing is, is a big part of this. And, and you, you have written a trilogy, you have um, overview effect, uh, uh, the new Camelot and uh, the Cosmot hypothesis. And I'm in the middle of writing a, a trilogy as well. I have the orbital perspective. I have my new book that's coming out floating in darkness and I have a, a follow on to that um, down the road. And what's interesting about that is when I wrote the, you can see the evolution in my, processing and my understanding through those books. So in the orbital perspective, it was um, somewhat rudimentary in my understanding of what I experienced. And in Floating in Darkness, I go much, much deeper. But th what's interesting about that is right now it's just about to be published and I'm doing all the proofreading and, and you know, it's been months uh, since I wrote some of this stuff. And I, in some cases, didn't even know why I was writing some of the things. I didn't even know what it meant. I was just writing it. And then later, in hindsight, looking back on it from an increased level of processing of my experiences, I'm like, oh, that's why, that's why I wrote that. That makes sense now. Yeah. I understand that now. So we, we all need to understand that, that, life, that our lives are a process to begin with. And very, very unique things occasionally happen uh, during that journey. And those are tools that we can use to increase our understanding and our awareness of, of our universe uh, and, our, and our place in it. And uh, a, a really big one is, uh, is having the opportunity to see the planet from space, as, as we all know. Could I add to that, Ron? Just of course to, you can. Yeah. So writing about the overview effect is similar. I'm now working on the fourth edition of the overview effect. And, um, you know, the trilogy, it, all of it is out there, but we're now, I now have a publisher, Multiverse Media, founded by Dylan Taylor, and uh, the trilogy is going to be now published uh, more or less as a unit. Yeah, just I'll jump in. Dylan Taylor that founded uh, Space for Humanity. Yes, founder of Space for Humanity and a man who's done many other things uh, to make the world a better place. But uh, I reread each edition when I'm working on a new edition of the overview effect. I read all of the astronaut interviews. Um, I read everything I've written and kind of like you, I can't remember writing some of the things I wrote and I'll be, I'll be reading this almost as if somebody else wrote it and I'll think of something that the author should have said. And then there it is in the next paragraph. Yeah. But you know, the other thing is, it took me a long time to realize that the astronauts were not only talking about seeing the earth in a unique way, but seeing the universe in a unique way. Exactly. Uh, and that is really the topic of the Cosmo hypothesis, the third book in the trilogy. So I'm going through the same thing you are um, as the author of the book. My understanding of the phenomenon keeps changing as well. Yeah, and I think we're both motivated uh, by the same source in, in writing these books, and, and that is that any experience is so much richer and deeper if you can share it with others. And so, you know, you've had the experience of interviewing all these astronauts, and 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 
and there is a desire to share that. I want to pop up one comment. Um, I'm trying to look at everybody's as, as fast as I can. Um, this is from Lisa Marie, who basically said everything that I was trying to say in six words. <laughs> basically, that's the point right there, that the extraordinary is the ordinary. Uh, and well, Or another way to say that is the ordinary or what we think is ordinary is extraordinary. It's, a, it's all extraordinary. So that's that's kind of the point. <laughs> so, well, you know, uh, Lisa Marie and I both share an interest in Zen Buddhism, and uh, that's a very Zen uh, statement uh, about the world and uh, very accurate. Well, it's it's true no matter what label you put on. <laughs> yeah. All we have to do is look, is look around. And, you know, you said something earlier, too, and I, I forget the exact context but you're, it was about everybody that you meet, everybody that you come in contact right, with, right? And um, one of the things, and I think at least this is what Lisa Marie is, is also getting at, is you know this wonderful awe and wonder doesn't just uh, apply to the, the natural world outside of humanity, it applies to humanity too. Every single person that we come in contact with is a perfect miracle, a mm-hmm. statistical, mathematical improbability beyond uh, comprehension. So the, the if you work out all the statistics of, of what would make you you, <laughs> you're a miracle. It's, it, it should not have happened. And so every single person we come in contact with, whether it's the person that flips you off in traffic, the troll on the Internet, uh, it doesn't matter who they are. They, they're, a, they're a perfect miracle. Now, that doesn't mean you, 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 they're behaving like one. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you, that you find awe and beauty in their behavior. But the fact that, that they are here and that the fact that they're sharing this planet with you um, is is an is a absolute miracle. Hmm. Our species is a miracle. Exactly. That, in a way, is what started me on uh, the question that permeates the Cosmo hypothesis, which is, how did, how did it come to be over billions of years that suddenly we have this species on Earth called Homo sapiens, which can, if it chooses to, become a spacefaring species. That's never happened before. How did that happen? And the essence of that book is really trying to develop a new philosophy of space exploration. And most of the reasons we give for going into space are to benefit us, our species. I tried to look at it from the point of view of this miracle, which is that the universe decided I know some people don't like to anthropomorphize the universe, but the universe nurtured over billions of years of evolution, a species that can now leave the planet. What is the purpose of that ecologically? What is the role? And uh, it's a tough question, but it shifts from what do we get out of it to what can the universe get out of it? What can the solar system get out? What can the earth get out of it? It is a miracle. Here we are. And uh, I think we need to start thinking of ourselves as a miraculous species and acting like it. Yeah, I mean, Huxley, Huxley said it five or six decades ago, and he, I'm sure he wasn't the first to say it, but we are the universe becoming conscious of itself. I mean, that, yeah. that's what's going on here. Um, hey, let me pop up a comment from Keith Cowing. It's a long one, uh, so let me let me paraphrase here. Uh, while gazing down at the Earth from space, it probably the, uh, is probably the most efficient way to experience the overview effect. I can tell you that I, that I encountered it on Earth in Nepal at fourteen thousand feet on my way to Everest Base Camp. I was teaching Sherpers what the lights in the sky were, how to tell them apart, which one 
I was uh, using to, uh, to talk to my wife and which one had people on board, all while I carried four small Apollo 11 moon rocks in my pocket. For a moment, I was in a Star Trek episode. So, so just um, some more examples of, of situations where the overview effects can happen on Earth. And I think what's important about his comment is it was an experience. Mm -hmm. I think we keep coming back to that. However, however we want to characterize it, it's the experience. My work started with an experience. Um, you, Ron, had the experience that we're talking about. Uh, Keith had had an experience in in, uh, in Nepal, and it 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 always comes back to that. And the challenge is, how do you share an experience? And one of the things I'm excited about today, Ron, is that um, people around the world are now trying to think through how can we bring the overview effect down to Earth, and how can we use virtual reality? How can we use other modalities to share this because as your opening pointed out, things are changing very rapidly and not always in a good direction. And so people who are interested in this movement, I believe see that this awareness, this consciousness, this worldview we're talking about is critical, is key to resolving the challenges we're facing on the earth. And that's why you know, this idea of why are you going into space? We have all these problems on Earth. Well, for one thing, this perspective we're talking about can be highly relevant to tackling the challenges we see on Earth. And I call it overview thinking. Overview thinking is key to the orbital, orbital perspective and to action that will make this planet a better place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to pop up another comment that I know is is dear, near and dear uh, to you, um, and that's about the democratization of the overview effects. Right? <laughs> and and this is from Yannan. Um In line with what you just said, um, everyone. I I don't I don't mean to speak for you, but we've had conversations before, and I know that you, that you uh, one of your things that you're proposing is that it's a basic human right to experience the overview effect. And, and I agree with that. And the, and the way that I would put it, though, is that everyone on the planet should be able to be in a, be in a position where they can experience the on wonder of our planet, right? And so it's hard sometimes to experience the on wonder of our planet when you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. Um, you don't, you're worried about you know, <laughs> dying from completely preventable and curable diseases, you know, you don't have access to clean water. You're in the survival mode, right, in, in, the, uh, in the hierarchy of needs uh, thing. So you, there's not a lot of luxury uh, to experience on wonder when you're just trying to survive. And uh, for the vast majority of the people on this planet, uh, that's their daily life, is they're just trying to survive, to live the next day. And we as a people, we as a species, uh, need to not accept that status quo anymore. And there's a lot of systems, systemic things that are in place that keep things that way. And we need to, as a species, uh, overturn those things. And I think um, part of that democratization of, of on wonder <laughs> is, you know, the ba having the basic needs of, of everyone met. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, Frank? Well, 
there's something very powerful about asserting that experiencing the overview effect is a basic human right. Um, because whatever anybody says about it, it still leads back to how do you get to that point? Because you, Ron, I know, I've quoted you, you have said we're living a lie. You know, we are. We, we feel like we're living on the surface of a planet that's not moving. The heavens revolve above us. Uh, we don't experience ourselves actually living on a planet that's moving through the universe. It's actually we're all astronauts on spaceship Earth. We don't really see where we are in time and space. So I, I would assert, you know, when I say experiencing the overview effect is a human right, I mean everybody has the right to know the truth. Now, if you say, Ron, well, there's a person over here who can't, he can't buy virtual reality headset to have the experience because he is struggling to survive. Then I say, we need to do something about that. In other words, those people who can buy a ticket to go on Virgin Galactic, that's great. I support them. Don't forget Space for Humanity, which Dylan Taylor founded, which is uh, its mission is to democratize the space experience. Many people can do it that way. What really begins to happen is we begin to ask ourselves, if that is fundamentally true, that everyone should know the truth, how do we get there? And it becomes a really big project. So uh, it's like uh, people are stating that healthcare is a fundamental right. And you have to grasp that, and then you have to move to, if you agree with that, what are we going to do to make that happen? So I think that's, you know, that's the kind of uh, conversation that becomes really powerful. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two sides of the same coin, right? On one side of the coin is what you're talking about, this democratization of the overview effect, that everybody should be able to experience the overview effect. The other side of that coin is the more people that have that shift in perspective and, and, and answer the call to action that comes from it, which I call the overall perspective, the better off the world's going to be. And the more people on the other side of the coin <laughs> are going to be able to experience the, the overview effect. But there's a really important distinction here. And you keep talking about um, seeing the truth, that everybody, everyone has a right to, the, to, to see the truth. I agree with that. But I don't think it's a requirement to leave the planet to realize that truth and to, and to embrace that truth, the interconnected, interdependent reality of the world that we live in, uh, to, and to live it and, and, and not just talk about it, to, to actually live uh, as if you're in a, in, a, in a completely interdependent biosphere <laughs> and you're part of it. You're part of it. You're not. You're not on the earth. You're of the earth, right? We're not. You're not. We're not in the universe. We are of the universe. And that shift in that shift in mindset, I think, uh, opens up a lot of a lot of things. And it, one of the things that opened up in me was it was an absolute um, reluctance to accept the status quo on our planet. An absolute disgust with our ability to think the status quo is okay. 
to think it's okay that 2 billion people don't have access to clean water, to think it's okay, you know, all the vi violence, all the divisiveness that's that's around us, all the, the separateness, uh, you know, all the walls and barriers that we've put up uh, to separate ourselves. And, you know, it's this idea that, um, you know, we'll throw some aid to one part of the world and, and then our conscience is, is, is cleared because those people over there should be thankful that we just sent some, you know, aid dollars that way. This is the whole point. This is the whole point of what the overview effect is supposed to create. And the whole point is there is no them. There's only us. We're all in this together. We're one human family. Um, and so this false idea of separation, I think, is, is really why we still have so many critical problems and, and challenges that we face. Let me try something on you, Ron. So you're saying you don't have to leave the planet to have the experience. So what I know is that when people leave the planet, they do have the experience. What I know, always, always, one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, well, I'm asserting they had the experience, but they may interpret it differently. I, I, I'm I asserting. Think right. I think you're right, by the way, just for the record. Yeah, uh, I, they have the experience. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going back to Edgar Mitchell. Uh, the experience happens. It may, it may not consciously be clear that it happened, but I believe it does. But I know that virtual reality, because I've seen some virtual reality efforts can uh, simulate the experience. Um, I'm working with some colleagues at Harvard on how could we use this in conflict resolution? What can we do to uh, give people this experience so that they can resolve their conflict? So when you say you don't have to go into space to have the experience, then my question is, what is your technique or technology other than that to have the experience, that's that's an unanswered question. I yeah, think. don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not downplaying the significance of being in space. I'm, I just, I'm just saying it's not a requirement because what just as an example um, to prove the point of, of the power of being in space is, you know, I often get asked the question, uh, you know, over my six months in space, did did we ever talk about politics while we were up there? And the answer is no. We never talked about politics on the space station, and it wasn't because it was um, forbidden. It was because it was irrelevant. It was that's what those people worry about down there. And so when you're up to, and, and you talked about conflict resolution, that that is a powerful, powerful tool for conflict resolution. And so the, I didn't I, in my six months in space, I really did not experience any conflicts whatsoever uh, in space. The right. only conflicts there are are between the people in space and the people on the ground. <laughs> around no, no. approaching yeah. things from two completely different perspectives, and yeah. both perspectives are right, but each side is not fully seeing the perspective of the other side, and right. so that's that's where we get into trouble. <laughs> the trouble when we're in a, when we have different perspectives, and so let me let me uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not dodging your question, but I'm going to pop up a, a, another the same question. Basically, you know, very, very few people are going to be able to afford. Uh, democratization is a myth, uh, a somewhat elitist one at that. Uh, <laughs> if you know Keith, you know that's exactly, yeah, that doesn't surprise you, <laughs> to, to achieve the overview effect for the masses. Um, uh, okay, so again, um, how do we experience that in space? And, and I'll, I'll say what I said in the beginning is it's all a matter of, of what your starting condition is, you know, where you're starting from, why you're trying to get the overview effect. 
are you are you trying to get the overview effect so that you can make a uh, you think it's a way for you to make a valued contribution to the world uh, that you uh, think that you're going to have this perspective and then all of a sudden you're going to see everything in a new light and all of a sudden you're going to be a kinder, gentler, uh, more um, uh, generous person uh, and you're going to work to improve life on Earth. Uh, I don't think it works that way. I think you have to be that way to begin with. <laughs> I think you have to desire to leave the world a better place to start with uh, and look for in every moment of every day, look for that on wonder. Then if you have the opportunity to go to space or you have the opportunity to participate in one of these um, things that try and simulate uh, the overview effect that's, that's caused by being in space, um, then I think you're, you're, it, there's a much higher likelihood that, that that'll happen. And so notice I didn't say the analog or, or uh, I didn't just say the overview effect. I, I classified it as the overview effect that comes from being in space. Because again, I'll, I'll stand with what I said before. I think, I believe that the overview effect can come from many different ways, not just going to space. I'd like to challenge Keith on his assertion uh, because I believe that the you know tickets to space will not be beyond the grasp of whatever uh, percent of humanity. Well, you probably could take a few nines off, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you're saying? No, I don't think that's true. I mean, when I interviewed Richard Branson about this, uh, his whole his whole vision is democratization to make it really common for people to be able to afford uh, to go into orbit. And he analogizes it to, to the airline industry. In the beginning, it was pioneers, barnstormers, uh, essentially test pilots. And then it became something for the elite. And over time, we've reached the point where a large percentage of the population can afford an airline ticket. You know, that's what he's trying to achieve. The other thing is, I'm just going back to something really simple because what I'm working with is actually going into orbit or experiencing the spaceflight uh, experience with virtual reality or through a film or in something like that. You know, I believe we could make virtual reality experiences available to thousands, if not millions of people. And uh, so I don't believe it's a myth. I believe it's a goal. And, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of people who are really smart and uh, really visionary who are trying to achieve that goal. So yeah. here's, what, here's one example here, the 360 VR rig that uh, Liam's talking about. On yeah. The yeah. So there are people right now uh, with VR, working with VR capability on the ISS. And we'll see, you know, I mean, that's going to be very, very powerful version of the experience you had, Ron. Well, here's a comment for someone who is working on VR, Agent Marshall. And uh, I think this is a very uh, wise comment. Teach people not just what to see, but how to see. I yeah. think that is the answer right there. Is It's not that we're not seeing the right things. We are seeing the right things. We're just not, we don't know how to see them correctly. We don't need to, we don't know how to see them in their, in their true context. All right, I, so we, I'd like to say that I've been interviewing Virgin Galactic ticket holders. And I really believe just 
I have a very small sample, but I really think they have the right attitude toward what they're going to do. And uh, it's a dream they've had. It's something they want to do. Uh, and I think they're going to, you know, Ryan, you said a lot of what happens if you go into orbit or on a suborbital hop is what you bring to it. And I think the people I'm interviewing are bringing the right stuff, if you will, uh, to that experience. They have really good reasons for wanting to go. I, th I think there are people who have experienced the overview effect from reading your book. And I know personally lots of people who have experienced the overview effect by seeing overview. And here's, here's uh, an example of that. Um, yeah. There. I, there, there are, I, I think I know who said that. And, uh, you know, I, I've had so many people tell me that the reading of the book uh, changed their lives, changed the direction of their lives. And that goes back to the question of what do you do with the experience? Um, certainly many people read my book and nothing happens, <laughs> you know, because it's not an experience for them. Um, if you go look at the Amazon reviews on Amazon, you'll find a few people like that. Uh, one of the interviewers called it boring, boring, boring. Uh, that wasn't exactly a compliment, but I've talked to many people who have said, I read your book. <clears throat> it changed my life. It changed the direction of my life and what I'm doing with my life. Right. And that that is really important to me. And I'm glad because, as you said, it's like an astronaut doesn't go into orbit for themselves. It's really for humanity. Writers don't write for themselves. We write to share uh, an idea, an experience, an insight. And so when we hear from people that something has changed for them, it makes all the effort. And you know, Ron, it's a lot of effort to write a book. Uh, you know, it makes it all worthwhile. So speaking of writing a book, let's talk about the Cosmo hypothesis. Hmm. So give us, the, give us the elevator pitch on that. <laughs> well, we touched on it a little bit already. Essentially, I pose the question, why has the universe supported us to get to where we are, to where we can leave the planet? Uh, we have powerful telescopes where we can see into the depths of space. And the hypothesis is that because we are a part of the universe, as we move out into greater expanses of the universe, we are bringing life, intelligence, and consciousness to the universe itself. Um, to some extent, as you pointed out earlier, um, the universe is alive, self-aware, and conscious now because of us. At a minimum. Yeah, at a minimum. Yeah. yeah. We're not separate from it. And there may be many, many other intelligent beings out there who are contributing to that. But that was what I, I concluded and I suggested in the book. But I'm not wedded to that. And that's why I call it a hypothesis. What I'm trying to do is start a conversation about the purpose of human space exploration. And as my good friend Mike Simmons points out, astronomy is a form of space exploration. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's interesting going back to astronauts, Al Sacco Jr., when I interviewed him, said, people ask me, why do I risk my life 
to get on the space shuttle and go into orbit. And I tell them the astronaut secret. And he said, all the astronauts know this secret, which is that we're all part of the human family, the whole human family, but it goes beyond even being citizens of planet Earth. We're actually citizens of the universe. If you think about that, what does that mean? What does that require of us? Uh, we are a part of this incredible living universe. And I think it calls us to a higher standard than we've reached. And uh, I think space exploration is part of reaching that higher standard, you know? I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Um, and, you know, I want to I want to um, let everyone know that this is uh, the fourth episode now since we've shifted from just being conversations sheltered in place uh, to become uh, the Orbital Perspective podcast. And each of the four Orbital Perspective podcasts that we've done, including this one, we're going to do. Um, we have when we've concluded the one hour live broadcast, we've stayed on and we've done another half hour of diving much, much deeper into uh, the conversation. And uh, Frank and I are going to do that with this episode as well. And uh, we are going to dive into, you know, how we can use the overview effect, how we can use the orbital perspective to help Im improve life on Earth. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper into um, what it means to be a citizen of the universe. And, and as Frank likes to say, explore the rest of the solar system, right? Because right. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, we are, we, we can't see ourselves uh, as separate from the rest of the solar system, and we can't see our solar system as separate from the rest of the universe, and we can't see ourselves as separate from Earth. And uh, probably the most important and the most practical, we can't see ourselves separated from, one each, from each other, from one another. And so we're going to dive uh, a lot deeper uh, into that. But um, I want to thank everybody uh, for all the questions and all the comments. We couldn't get to them all. Uh, Frank and I, uh, I, I won't speak for Frank, but I know he, I, but, but I know he'll do this as well. Uh, we're going to try and answer as many we can, as we can uh, offline. And we're going to dive uh, into, into the uh, extra material. I don't know yet uh, how we're going to make that available, uh, but uh, we will make it available uh, at, at some point. Um, Frank, thank you so much, uh, for, for taking the time and doing this live, uh, segment with everybody. Um, and, uh, thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you for, uh, the work that you're doing to, to get people to see the truth. <laughs> thank <laughs> you, Ron. For your work. Thank you. All right. So, uh, with that, we'll see, we'll see all you guys next week. Thank you for joining us during this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. And thank you for being a part of an emerging unity on our planet. We are strongest when we are aligned around the truth of our underlying unity. Together, we are unstoppable and can build a positive, restorative future, a future that we would all want to be a part of. Please subscribe to the Orbital Perspective podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do to help make life on our planet as beautiful as it looks from space. <laughs> <laughs>